in the name of Jesus. Welcome to the Living Savior Church. Praise the Lord. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Beautiful day outside. Summertime's here. You know, the uh, some of you are telling me that the air conditioner is not cool enough, but uh, it's running, so I don't know if... I guess if we turned it off and no water runs in the bucket, I guess that's a good sign that it's the compressor is not working. So I don't know, but uh, I don't know. Maybe one of these days Fred will have somebody get up there to clean out that line. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. We need to do something to that. But anyway, in the summertime, it's warm. But usually that air conditioner works real well. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it feels cool to me, but it may not be cool to you. Uh, so anyway, anyway, praise the Lord. Welcome, welcome, welcome. For all of you, I want to make an announcement that uh, I, on the website, Dave put this on the website, but I, I want him to make a little change in it. I was going to talk to him because last night I went and looked at it. He said this will be the last healing school, period. And that's not true. We will have healing schools, but we will only have them here. This month, this month will be the, at the fourth Saturday of this month, will be the last healing school that we teach at Justin until we get the new church built. We're not going to teach any more healing schools out there at Justin. We're only going to have one healing school a month. Uh, we're going to make sure that's on the web so everybody knows. But there will be no more Saturday healing schools at Justin, only here the second Saturday of every month. We're going to do one here the second Saturday of every month until the time which we get the new church built out there. I don't know how long that's going to take, but when we do get the new church built out there, then we'll do all the healing schools out there when we do them. And I think what we're going to plan to do, we're going to do them a week long. You know, if I can get everything together, we're going to have a week long. The second week of the month, we'll have a healing school and then the final on Saturday. So we're going to have many different people teach different aspects of it. I'm not going to teach it all by a long shot. There's been many people in the ministry that have had tremendous experiences with God. You know, they have learned tremendous things. And so those people are going to teach an hour or an hour and a half or a two-hour segment. You know, we will start out on Monday morning at 9 or 9.30 with 30 minutes of worship and praise. And then, let's say, from 9.30 till 10, and then from 10 till 11.30 or something, we'll have an hour and a half teaching uh, on something that pertains to the kingdom of God, things that you need to know. And then we'll probably have a lunch break for an hour or an hour and a half or whatever. Then we'll come back at, say, 1 o'clock, and we'll have another hour and a half. Then we'll take a 30-minute break, and then we'll go till about 4 or 5 o'clock, and then that'll be the day. We'll end it in 15 or 20 minutes of prayer, and then we'll close. The next day we'll start over. And, I mean, I tell you, folks, if there's anything I've learned, I hear people all the time say, you know, Thurman only preaches one thing, healing. Well, I'm going to tell you what, the body of Christ hadn't learned how to walk in health yet. And until you learn how to walk and heal, until I get everybody who comes to this church healed, I'm going to keep preaching it. You know, so the thing about it is we, we don't walk, we don't believe the Word. Now, I'm going to tell you a story before I recognize the mothers. You know, today what I'm going to preach on is going to be about mothers, of course, but it's good for every father, too, because there's a church that hired a new pastor. And they had a new pastor come in, and they went somewhere to listen to him preach, and they was all excited about him, so they offered him a job, and so he came there. Well, the first Sunday, he preached a message they thought was great. They loved it. 
Well, the next Sunday they come in and he preached exactly the same message. And they thought, well, it's good the second time. Well, the third Sunday he preached the same thing. And the fourth Sunday and the fifth Sunday. After the fifth Sunday, the deacons told him, so we need to talk to you. So they got him off to the side and said, hey, we want to know the message you had was great. But do you have any more messages? Oh, he said, I got hundreds of them. And they said, well, why don't you teach another one? He said, when you all start doing what I told you to do the first one, I'll move to a second one. So until you do what God says, we may not go on. Because many of you hear the Word of God day after day and you disobey it. You don't do what God says. You know, I'm here to tell you that I'm a preacher that preaches the Word. Exactly what's written. Then it's up to you to do what it says. And I'm also going to tell you that if you don't do what God says, there's going to be a consequence following. You know, this is not an, just some God that's sitting in heaven that we serve. You know, we serve a God of love, but we serve a God of judgment Amen. and a God of wrath. And that's the side of God I never saw. In the Baptist church, I never saw that side. But I wondered why people were tormented and sick and afflicted and their children were tormented and, and all kinds of problems. And I went to God and said, why, Lord, why is this happening? Well, he revealed it to me very easily and quickly. The problem in my church is sin. You know, it's sin. People say, well, we're under grace. But Paul says, now that we're under grace, do we sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. No, we're to walk holy before God. And then, of course, if you sin, you know, nobody wants to hear this. This is why Ty and I was talking the other day. He said, Herman, they ain't used to build a great big church. He said, what, what you preach ain't never going to be a great big following. He said, people want a feel-good preacher. They want a preacher to tell them how good they are. You know, how wonderful they are. And how much God loves them and that He don't care what they do. They can just go out and do anything and He still loves you and will just pour blessings out upon you. I know a few preachers like that. In fact, the other day I heard a preacher on television that he was on a talk show. And he has one of the largest followings in America. And he was asked the question, what do you do with sin? He said, I don't preach on that in my church. Now, you want to know why he's got a big following? He don't preach on sin. He don't preach on the consequences of sin. He don't tell people what the consequences of sin are. I've had people come to this church that would sit down in here and they would be married, but to somebody else. And they come to church together and they're living together and they're not married to each other. And I've had them get sick in the service and get up and leave before the service is over. Because sin condemns you. I had one of the biggest pastors in the Baptist, General Baptist Convention tell me the other day, Thurman, what you're preaching is a condemning gospel. I told him, I said, sir, the Word of God answers that itself. It says, when your heart condemns you not, then you know that God hears your prayer and you have the answer to your prayer. But I said, when your heart condemns you, he does not hear you. And I told him, I said, that's why your son is sick. 
I said, you know what your son's sin is, and he knows what it is. He's not willing to change. And I said, your son ain't never going to get healed until he changes. Never. And it's one of the biggest pastors in America I was talking to that day. Two hours and a half I talked to him and his son, and they wanted me to get him healed. And I said, it's no problem getting you healed, but you got to stop sinning. I said, I don't know what kind of sin you're living in, but if you're sick and afflicted and in pain and torment, you're in sin. Ooh. After about two hours of talk, I said, confess your sins and you'll get healed. He finally told me, I've heard all this nonsense I can listen to. He got up and walked off and he's still sick. He's still sick. Hey, if you confess your sins and repent, you get healed, don't you? Yeah. That's the thing I preach. That's why I like to get people healed. I don't like people to live in torment. I don't like for their children to be tormented. I went down to the hospital the other day to pray for a little child. A little child. You know what was wrong with that child? It had been perfectly normal when it was born. But one day, because it was a baby... And it was crying. Daddy reached over and got it and shook it. And he shook his brain loose. And the kid was dying. Daddy killed that baby. Hey, if you hadn't realized yet, children are not adults. They're babies. What I'm going to preach on today, I'm going to show you that mothers have a greater love than most fathers. But a father can be a loving individual too when he renews his mind with the word. But right now I want to praise the Lord for all you women that are mothers. There's a lot of you here. Without mothers, we'd be in trouble. Only a mother knows what she goes through in life. And my hat's off to all the women that are mothers that have to work for a living. And my hat's really off to the mothers that have got children that some father stepped out and left them after he brought children in the world. And I want to tell you it's a good thing I ain't God because if I wasn't just one of those kind of daddies, I'd beat the thunder out of you. That's That's the way I am. That's why I ain't God. You know, if you're a man and you marry a woman and you bring children into the world and you ain't enough of a man to love that woman and them children to stay with her and treat treat her like a woman and a wife and them kids like children, you ain't much of a man. You know it. You don't know the king. Jesus has some choice words for you in his word. And this is a side of Jesus that lots of people don't ever see. But he is a God of judgment. And if you're sick and afflicted and tormented, it's because you have not been obedient to walk in God's Word. So we got these wonderful mothers out there that nobody understands mothers except God and children as they grow up. I want every one of you women 
that's more a child or you're a mother, that you've raised one. I don't care if you adopted it or whatever, but if you've been a mother, you've raised that child, I want you to stand up and I'm going to speak a blessing over you. If you're raising a child or if you bore a child, I want you to stand up if you've ever had one. Many of you have raised grandchildren. I mean, you, maybe you've just raised grand. If you raised your grandchild, you know, then you're a mother. I want you to stand up and I'm going to speak a blessing over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, all these wonderful, lovely women, wives, some of them have been tormented. Some of them have lived a blessed life. Lord, I speak a blessing that all of them, all of them will live a blessed life from this day forth. That you, Father, will bless them for what they do. I ask you to reveal to them the truth of the love of God. Really, the truth. I had a mother like that. And I know what it is to be raised up with a mother that knows how to love. I don't know any other way to go. Because that's all I had was a mother and daddy that loved me. And I praise God for that, Lord. And bless these mothers. Every one of them. Father, thank you for the rewards in heaven they built as they built their rewards by being faithful to you and loving and kind and raised their children and loved them. And when sometimes when the children were just completely honorary little critters, they still loved them. And they just was good to them. Only a mother can really know that kind of love. Thank you for mothers, Lord. Bless these mothers. Bless them in everything they do. Bless them with knowledge of the Word. Bless them with wisdom. Bless them with spiritual understanding of the Word of God. And bless them financially. Bless them every way that's possible to bless them. Lord, help them to walk in obedience to your Word. And as they do, I thank you that you will command the blessings upon these mothers yourself. Because that's a promise from you. But you gave that to all of us. If you said, if we will obey. And do what you said. You will command the blessings to overtake us. Thank you, Father, for these mothers. I thank you for every one of them. And, Lord, I praise you that I had such a good mother. Lord, I didn't realize when I was coming up how good a mother I had until I got out here in the world and saw what was going on. And then I see women that have babies and leave them in trash cans. Oh, God. Be merciful to us. Help us. But Lord, all these women that are here today, that are mothers, that have raised children, I speak a blessing upon them and may you bless them abundantly in everything they do. And thank you again for each one of them. And Lord, thank you for my mother. What a woman she was. And I know every person in here, regardless who they are, should, if they can't say, thank you for my mother. Maybe they didn't have one, but Lord, if they did, we thank you for our mothers that raised us, that loved us, that just stood with us. Thank you, Father, for blessing all these mothers. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Today, I want to talk about one of the most important Things there is in the Word of God. And most mothers I know have it. Praise God that they do. Not all mothers have this, but a lot of them do. 
a lot of men have this too. But it's not as easy for a mother, for a man to have this as it is for a mother. A mother can see into a child things that even the father of that child can't see. I think about Betty Baxter's mother. And if you haven't watched her DVD, you need to get a copy of Betty Baxter's DVD and see what happened. And this was a mother. Now, Betty Baxter was born, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how many years ago. She's a, um, I don't know if she's old as I am. She may be older than me. I don't know. I haven't seen her in 10 years. But Betty Baxter's a preacher today. But when she was born, she was born with every kind of uncurable disease. She was awful. Her little body was all twisted and gnarled, and her legs were twisted and gnarled, had huge knots all over her body and her back and everything. And, you know, if you've never had to raise a child like that, when you have children that are normal, do you know what we ought to do when you wake up this morning? If you, if you can wake up, especially if you can open your eyes and see and you can hear and you can move a hand or arm and you can crawl out of bed and step up and walk on your own power, you ought to be jumping and praising God. We forget what we have. And if your children are normal children that can walk and run and play, you ought to be praising God. If you can't praise God, you ought to go down to the Dallas Medical Center, Children's Center. How many have ever been to Dallas Medical down here, the Children's Medical Hospital? How many have ever been down there? If you hadn't been down there, you need to go down there. Just walk through the place one time. And you'll see what sin does. I mean, there's children down there with legs missing, arms missing. I mean, head, everything. Everything imaginable is wrong with those children. They ain't never going to have a chance in life. They ain't never going to be able to be a mother. They ain't never going to be able to walk. Some of them ain't never going to be able to talk. They're never going to do the things you and me take for granted every day. And we're going to do what we do. And what do we do? Fuss about it. Instead of jumping up and say, Lord, I praise you. I praise the king almost all the way to church this day. We're in the car, and I'm driving down the road praising the king. Lord, I thank you for that beautiful blue sky. I thank you for that beautiful green grass. I thank you for the beautiful rain that, that's just been falling. So this grass is green. I thank you for these beautiful roads to drive on. I praise him and thank him for everything I could think of all the way to church today. I'm grateful. I am grateful. You know, I could be in a foxhole in the Middle East with a bunch of Muslims after me today. I've done that in Vietnam. I know how grateful it is. I know that some of you have never awakened in the morning with a cot that you're sleeping on with a mosquito net over you. If you laid your arm against a mosquito net, your arm was eat up the next morning where they stung through 
the mosquito net, and then all of a sudden somebody jumps up out of his bunk and takes a rod and starts hitting right at your head. You jump in. What's wrong with you? And the guy said, there's a snake right at the end of your bunk, right at the end of it. And we kill it. And it's only a little Russell's viper about that long. You know, no big deal. One of the most poisonous snakes in Vietnam. Sucker bites you. It works on your nervous system. In a matter of minutes, you are dead. We walked among that kind of stuff over there. You know, like one of my good friends over there, he come over and been there one week, went to high school with this guy. One week, first mission he went out on, he got killed. First mission. And we grumble and complain because we don't have enough air conditioning or we don't have a nice enough car or we don't have what? Ever. You know, if we're not careful, the day may come in America that you'll stop and think, oh, God, if I just had that bed to lay down in instead of sleeping on the ground, if I could just stop by the store and get me something to eat, because you may not have it. You know that? You know, if, you, if you've never walked in those kind of places, you don't know how to praise God. You know, you know what everybody in the church needs to do? I wished that God could take every one of us and send us to the pit of hell for just five minutes. Make a new man out of you, wouldn't it? Five minutes in hell. And you would be a different person. You know, we are so prone to think that everything we got is going to be here forever. And you know, your whole world can change in 30 seconds. I know, I've been there and lived it. I mean, everybody in your family is healthy and well. And you got a beautiful home. And everybody's happy. And an hour or two later, your family's all dead. That happened to me. You know, I never dreamed it would happen. You don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. You don't know what's going to happen before you get home today. So there's something that every one of us need to do, and we need to realize that there's no security on this earth. So there's something we need to walk in, and the king told us to walk in because everybody here today wants to go to heaven. But there's something you've got to do to get there. Number one, you've got to make Jesus Lord of your life. And then after you make Jesus Lord of your life, then there's some demands on your life. Big demands. And everything's supposed to change. You can't still be a child of the devil and go to heaven. We're going to talk about some of those. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 13. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, or love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. 
You've got faith, hope, and love. But it says the greatest of these is love. Now, charity there in the King James is love. And the, actually, the word agape, when you go back to the Greek, that's the word that's used right there. And that word agape in the Greek is the God kind of love. I have met few people in my life that I thought even come close to walking in the God kind of love. Few. My mother was one of those people. She was one of those people. But there's few of us that have walked in this love. Maybe none of us have. Maybe none of us. But we need to work on getting there. It says here, in 1 John 4, 8, it says, God is love. God is love. Now, why is God's love greater than hope or faith? It says the greatest of these three. Now, mothers can have a love in them for their children. And maybe it's because they carried the little things in their womb. And they, nobody can be closer to the child than the mother. I mean, the mother went through the pains. She went through all of the trauma. Uh, all the things that happens inside of her body as the child is being formed. And, I mean, she's uncomfortable. There's times she gets miserable. And it causes all kinds of different things happen while her body is changing. And then her body brings forth a child and a woman that does not know how to walk in faith, which is about 99 and 9 tenths percent of them, bring that child into the world in excruciating pain. And they tell me it's the worst pain that there is. And mothers have to go through that every time they bring a child into the world. Some of us daddies would be better if we had to suffer that pain with them. It would be no. You know, some daddies, I mean, I know some daddies that's down on the golf course when your baby's being born. You know. You know, what a guy. What? Oh, Ty says there wouldn't be no kids. Huh? <laughs> The pain that these mothers suffer. And isn't it amazing how they... In fact, I have seen mothers in hospitals that were in such excruciating pain. They're screaming. And you mothers, most of you in here had that kind of pain. Most of you did. You were screaming and you think, Why? Never again. Never. I ain't never going to have another one of these. Never. Under no conditions. You're hurting. And the pain is excruciating. How many of you ladies in here know what I'm talking about on pain? If you've had that kind of pain, hold up your hand. If you had that pain, yeah, hold up your hand. Don't be ashamed. You, it hurt. It hurt, didn't it, girls? It was ter- terrible. You had that kind of pain. And it didn't make how they can do that and be in such pain. And if you're the father and you're standing up by their side and you're really suffering a little bit of that pain with them because you and them are one, but the minute that baby's born, and they hold that little thing in their arms. I remember what my mother told dad when their first baby was born. After all that pain. And she held my oldest sister in her arms. Oh, she said, isn't she beautiful? She said, we got to have another one. 
<laughs> my daddy said, wow, after what she just went through, the screaming and everything, I thought, we won't never have another one. And the first words out of her mouth, isn't she beautiful? We got to have another one. <laughs> How quick mothers forget their pain. Isn't it amazing how God does it? Only this God kind of love can do that to a woman. 1 John 4, 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. A while ago I read just the last part. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Now, if you know God, you're supposed to walk in love. You're supposed to walk in love. Listen. Here's why love is the greatest of the three between faith and hope. The answer is in Galatians 5, 6. Galatians 5, 6 says, But faith which worketh by love. So you see, love is greater because your faith will not work unless you're walking in love. Why do you think the enemy wants to get you out of a love walk? Because the minute the enemy gets you out of a love walk, your faith won't work. The minute you step out of love, and you even think about praying a prayer, the devil will immediately step between you and God and say, God... Now, he's the best lawyer in the universe besides Jesus. He will step right between God and you and say, God, your book says, your law book says that faith works by love. And that man is not walking in love. Since he's not walking in love, you cannot answer his prayer. God says, he's absolutely right. I cannot go beyond my word. Now, if you think the law books on this earth are good, and you can win on a technicality in a court of law, you ain't seen nothing until you see the law book, which is the Word of God. That's why so many of us fail to get our prayers answered, because we just pray. You know, I ask people all the time, what scripture do you use to base your faith on? Why don't you use one? I don't know one. Well, what have you got? Well, nothing. That's why. You didn't go by the law book. The law book says God watches over His Word to perform His Word. You don't come to Him according to His Word. You don't get nothing. You don't get anything. I don't know about you, but I want my prayers to be answered. When I pray, I want the King, my Heavenly Father, to show up and do things when I pray. I don't want nothing to happen. I mean, I lived in a church many years that that's where it happened. Isn't it amazing how you can live in a church and go to church every time the doors open and somebody says, when's the last healing you saw? I ain't never seen one. When's the last answer to prayer you got? Well, let's see. We prayed one time for somebody and, well, I say, I believe it did happen finally. I don't know. But do you know that was a direct, do you know it was a direct answer to y'all's prayer? Well, no, it could have happened without prayer, I guess. Hey, if that's the kind of church you lived in, and that's the kind I lived in, I was there, but I never saw an answer to prayer. Did you know, I mean, just like the other day, 
there was a little lady came up here for prayer. I don't see her here today, but she was here a few, or maybe a Sunday a week ago or whatever it was. She may be here. I may be missing her. But she came up here and I said, what's your need, honey? She says, my finger don't work anymore. It's stiff. I said, what do you do for a living? She said, I'm a massage therapist. I said, did you break the soul ties between those people when you touched them? She said, you know, I just listened to your tape on soul ties. I never thought about that. I said, sure. You have to touch people with your hands to do a massage. I said, when you do a massage, if you're not walking in total faith, which nearly nobody does, it's a chore to walk in total faith 100% of the time. I said, because you're not walking in total faith, you touch that person and the demons and that person transferred to you and one of them's in your finger. And that's why you can't move it. I said, now I want you to repent and we're going to break the soul ties between you and everybody you've touched. And we did. I told her, I said, now that you've repented, I said, now then the Lord said, I can cast that demon out of you. So I said, you demon of hell, come out of her finger. Go to the pit of hell. Don't come back. I said, thank you, Lord, for delivering. I said, honey, you're healed. Bend your finger. She's, and her finger was perfect right there instantly. I love to see God do those kind of things. Don't you? Yeah. Now, he only does those kind of things if you're walking in love. You know. But did you know in the churches I was raised up in, unfortunately, I never saw anything happen like that in church. Never. There's something wrong when we serve a living God and you go to a church and there's never an answer to prayer in church. If God's not there, there's something wrong. Something bad wrong. But you know, I lived in one of those most of my life. But when I started believing the Word, wow, I started teaching it in the church I was in. And do you know? I mean, I'm not condemning them. I'm just telling you. I had a lady call me one time, and she said, where do you preach? I said, well, ma'am, at that time I wasn't, didn't have my own church. I said, uh, at the certain, certain church. And she said, well, how many people go there? I said, oh, that's about 400 all told. She said, is that all that's in your church? I said, ma'am, that's in the whole church. I'm just a Sunday school teacher there. She said, well, how many is in your class? I said, oh, about a dozen, 15. She said, that's all that comes to your class? I said, yeah. She said, I can't believe this. I said, ma'am, people don't want to hear what I teach. I said, they do everything in the world. I had no idea one day a couple come to my class and they said, what do they got against you here? I said, what do you mean? They said, the greeter dinner, we come in and they welcomed us because we was new. And I said, we want to go to Thurman Scrivener's class. They said, well, we've got another couple of class down here. How about this one? Well, no, no, we come to see it. Well, we got a men's and women's. Men's here and a women's here. How would y'all like to go there? I said, no, we come to see Thurman. Where is he? And he said, well, he's upstairs. He said, what have they got against you? I said, I don't know. But they tried their best to keep everybody out of my class. Isn't that amazing? But if somebody wanted to get healed, or they wanted a prayer answered. In fact, I remember one day a little lady... She was a school teacher, and her husband was a was head of the schools. He had a Ph.D. And she walked up to me in my Sunday school class one morning. She said, Thurman, I want you to pray for my son-in-law and my daughter. 
I said, what for? And she said, they want to go to the mission field, and they got to have $3,000 a month, and they can't seem to get no money at all to go. I want you to pray for them. I said, absolutely not. She said, what? I said, no. If I pray for them and God brings that money in, they ain't going to know where it come from. I said, if he's going to mission field, he needs to come talk to me. I need to show him how to get his own prayers answered. He needs to learn how to stand on his own two feet. So she said, well, they're going to be here next Sunday. I said, won't you go ask the pastor? Let him pray for him. She said, no, no, I don't believe I want to ask him. You know why? So anyway, next Sunday they were there. After church Sunday night, I went down to the house. I sat there, and they had two or three or four kids, and Grandma and Grandpa took the kids out on the back porch, and I sat in there with them. I said, now I want to ask you, do you know God's calling you to the mission field? He said, absolutely. I know beyond a shadow of that we're supposed to go to the mission field. I said, okay. I said, you need $3,000 a month for how long? He said, three years. I said, a piece of cake for God. I said, do you two have all your sins repented of, and are you walking in a God kind of love? I said, yes. I said, okay. If you're doing all that and you got your sins repented up. I said, then I want you to go to the Word of God and I'll begin to take them to these great and awesome and magnificent promises in God's Word. And the first thing I took them to was Mark 11, 23. I said, now read that verse. He read Mark 11, 23. After he read Mark 11, 23, I said, can you do that? He said, well, absolutely not. I said, there's your problem. He said, what do you mean? I said, you're living in unbelief. You're living in sin. You don't believe the promises of God. He said, what? I do. I believe this book. I said, no, you don't. That book says if you've got a problem, you've got a mountain that's in front of you, you can speak to that mountain and command that mountain to leave. That mountain will move. It will obey you. Right now, that mountain is a mountain of a lack of finances. I said, you can speak to that mountain, command that beast to leave. And then Jesus said, whatever you say with your mouth, if you believe with your heart, you can have it. So I said, then you need, after you command that mountain to leave, you said, now, Lord, we need $3,000 a month committed to us for the next three years so we can go to the mission field to be about your business. You said it in Mark eleven twenty three. It's done. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. He said, Thurman. He said, I graduated from seminary. They never taught us this. I said, well, what a shame. It's in the Word. So we go to another two or three verses like that. And every time we go to one, I say, now think before you answer the question. And I say, can you do that? And he'd look at that verse and he'd say, Wow. Matthew eighteen nineteen. if two of us on earth agree about anything, it'll be done for you. He said, he said I, never, I never looked at the Bible like this. I said, that's why you can't get your money. Because you don't believe the Word. I said, so repent of your sins of unbelief. He rented, repented for his sins of unbelief. And after he did... I said, now you and your wife are walking in a love relationship, are you not? He said, oh yeah. I looked at her and I said, how does he treat you? She said, like a princess. I said, good. You're walking in a God kind of love. I said, now then you two are set up to get your prayer answered. It's like one day a couple come up here. And I said, are you all sins repented of? And he said, yeah. I looked at her and I said, your sins repented of? She said, yes. I said, how does he treat you? And she broke into tears. Hmm. I said, so it's not good. And she said, it's not good. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, I got a brain tumor. 
I said, what's the problem, honey? She said, he's got a grudge against me and he won't forgive me. I said, son, you want to be healed of your brain tumor? That's why you got it. He said, what? I said, that's right. Why you got the brain tumor? It's because you got an unforgiveness toward your wife. I said, you've opened the door to the devil. I said, he's going to kill you. He said, I'm not going to forgive her. I said, oh, okay. I said, you want to die? He said, no. I said, you want to go to hell? He said, no. I said, you know, if you die in that sin of unforgiveness, you're not going to go to heaven. I said, you're going to go to hell. He said, I'm washed in the blood. I'm going to heaven. It don't make it here. What kind of sin I got in my life? I'm living under grace. I said, you don't have a clue what you're talking about, son. Not a clue. I said, you better forgive her. You better forgive her. He said, I'm not going to forgive her. And when they walked out of here, they walked out of here just like that. And whether he ever forgive her, because he never came back to this church. He never came. I told that boy the truth. And he didn't want to hear what I had to say. Now then, if he dies in that sin and he goes to hell, he's going to say, God, please, let me go back up there one more time. I'll repent. But it's going to be too late. That's like that preacher that I heard of a lady that went to hell and came back. And she walked up there and there's a casket there. And there was a man laying in it. And there was demons running in and out, pushing spears through the side of the... Screaming in agony. She said, God, who is that? Why is he being so tormented? He said, that's one of my preachers on earth. She said, one of your preachers? I said, yeah. He wouldn't preach all of the word. He lied to the people. He didn't tell them what I said in my word. So he said he's going to be tormented in hell forever because he didn't do what I told him to do in my word. That's scary, isn't it? That's really scary. You know, when you see these things and have these things, you've got to realize that God says He wants us to walk in love. Is that awesome? If you don't walk in love, your faith won't work. So don't do no good to pray for nobody else. Don't do no good to come to God. In fact, if you don't walk into God kind of love and you walk in the world, it'll bring demons into your life to torment you and you'll wonder why everything goes wrong in your life. You wonder why you don't walk in the abundant life. Everybody wants to walk in the abundant life, but they want to walk in the world to do it. And you can't do that. I guarantee you can't do that. So you've got to walk in love. If you don't, God is no respect to a person. He don't care who you are. If you're an employer and you've got people working for you and you're a Christian, you can't get upset, scream, and holler to them people and ever be abundantly blessed. You may make all kinds of money. But somewhere along the line, something's going to happen to take it all away from you. You may get up to, wow, i got a million dollars made here. And bam, something will happen and you'll lose it all. But you'll never prosper. And it was all because you didn't walk in love. There's no two ways about it. God has put a demand on us as His children walk in love. Because He said, faith which worketh by love. In Galatians 5, 6. Second, your faith will not work without hope. You've got to have hope for things. said so you have to hope for something before your faith can give substance to it. So faith is also dependent upon hope. Because let's look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You see, if you don't hope for something, 
your faith can't work either because it has no goal or object to believe God for. You've got to have that hope. Therefore, faith can't work without hope. Also, faith is dependent on love in order to work. That's why the Bible says that love is greater than hope or faith in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. The next verse that we're going to read here in 1 Corinthians 13, this is verses 1 through 3, tells us how important it is to operate in a God kind of love. I want to show you what you're going to get if you walk into God kind of love and show you what you're not going to get if you don't walk into God kind of love. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Isn't that awesome? It's written in the Word. That's not something I'm saying, is it? God said this. Then he says in verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and that's a wonderful gift to people that have it, wow! But prophets have got to walk into God kind of love. And he says, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and a few people have that, and even though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all the mysteries of God, you know anybody knows all that? Only Jesus knows all of that. He reveals to us some of these mysteries. I understand a whole lot more of them today than I did 20 or 30 years ago. And I hope I know a whole lot more 20 years from now. Because I'm going to continue to walk into God kind of love. And he says, and though I have all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove a mountain, and I do all those things. Brother Paul, I speak to that mountain in the name of Jesus, and that booger moves. I walk up and speak in the name of Jesus. And all these wonderful things happen. But Paul says there, if I have not love, my reward in heaven is nothing. I am nothing. Nothing. How would you like to work and do all kinds of good things you think on this earth and you didn't do it in love and you get home to heaven one day and you got not one single reward. You were put out to pasture. To aim, wander aimlessly out there. No, you wouldn't be able to enter the main gates of heaven. You didn't have one of those big, beautiful mansions. You didn't get to walk on the streets of gold. Maybe you were walking aimlessly out there. Who knows? But he says, you're considered nothing. If you're considered nothing, you think he's going to give you a giant mansion and seat you in his throne with him? I don't think so, do you? No. You know, I think people must think that. I think people think on this earth, I can accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Then I can live like I want to, do anything I want to. I don't have to do nothing good. I don't have to love my wife. I don't have to love my children. I don't have to love people in the church as long as I show up. And if I die, and I'm going to get to go to heaven. And then I'm going to see Jesus. You may be surprised. You might get to see Him, all right. Everybody's going to get to see him. But a lot of them, the scripture says, he says, I never knew you. And to outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth to hell with you. I don't want to be one of those. Do you? 
I don't want to be one of those. And then he says, and though I bestow all my goods. I mean, you're really going to be a good guy. You're not going to give 10% to the church. You're going to give all of your goods to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned, if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Well, there's a lot of good stuff somebody did there. But if they didn't do it in love, what kind of rewards did they get? Nothing. You reckon it's important to walk in love? Well, if you want to go to heaven, you want any rewards. Do you have to walk in love? No. God gives you the freedom to do what you want to do. You can yield to the devil or you can yield to God in everything you do every day. You can drive down that road when some guy cuts you off. You can scream at him. You know, you can wave your fist at him. You can pound on the dash. Or you can do what I did a while ago when three young men passed us on motorcycle. I heard this buzzing. And all of a sudden, I'm driving 65 right, or 60 mile, I mean, out there on 35, right, 635, right on the numbers. I know it's very important to not speed. (laughs) I'm right on the numbers. 60 miles an hour, got the cruise control set, and I hear this, and all of a sudden, I know this guy's going 100 miles an hour. And he, he, not far behind him, there was another one, and I bet he didn't miss my door this far. I mean, and then a third one. I says, Father, please, in Jesus' name, Lord, watch over those three boys. Protect those three boys. I said, Lord, them boys are whipping in and out around traffic. And they think they're invincible. They don't know that one little slip and they could be scattered all over that pavement and tore all to pieces. So, Father, be merciful to those boys. Watch over them. Protect them. When you're walking in a God kind of love, that's what you'll do it. Instead of saying, them stupid kids, I hope they get hurt. I heard people say that before. Speak a blessing upon them. You don't want nobody to get hurt. You know, they're just young kids that have no knowledge of how frail this human flesh is. And most of us have been there and done that. I have been. I was one of those stupid kids a few years ago. Except for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here. You know, I mean, I think of the stupid things I've done as a young man. Some of you men, I mean, at least usually the girls ain't this stupid. Usually these women that bring forth each other, some of you might have been, but a, most of you are not. You know, most of you girls would never do some of the stupid things us guys do. I mean, you know, us guys, we'll get out there and show out for you girls and take a chance on our life just to show out. Men, that's the way men are made. A lot of them do that. But thank goodness for women. You know, women, especially women that are godly women. Now, if you're raised up in a home a godly home, and you're raised up and trained to be like a woman. Do you know, I think about what they used to do and how they used to train girls. They used to train girls to be women. They used to train their daughters how to walk. You know, you know how to sit down. How to keep their dress down and be down below their knees. Instead of coming in and plopping down on the couch with your legs crossed and this boy is there. You know. 
people used to train their daughters how to be ladies. And men used to train their sons how to treat the girls like ladies. How to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. Thank you. You know, some kids walk in there. Hey, how you doing, old man? Hey, I want to reach down and get that little kid and pull him up and say, you need some teaching. You need some manners, son. If you've got a child, you need to learn to walk in this God kind of love, and you need to teach your children how to walk in this God kind of love. You need to teach them how to be mannerly and godly. But you can't do it if you're not that way. You can't do it. As we read there in 1 Corinthians 13, at the above verses, we are nothing without love. Absolutely nothing. Regardless of the gifts of the Spirit we may have. And most of us don't even, have, don't even know we have those gifts, so we don't walk in those gifts. But if we do have them and we know it, he says if we don't walk in love, they don't profit us or count for nothing in heaven. Nothing. So why do you think the enemy is out there trying to get us as Christians to get out of a love walk? Because he defeats us. If we do get to go to heaven, when we die and go there, if we didn't walk in love, can you imagine standing before the king one day and he says, you didn't walk in love. Because you didn't walk in love, you get no rewards. But Lord, I worked for you 24-7 down there. He said, I know. Like I heard Howard Pittman say, a preacher, an independent Baptist preacher, a street preacher. I mean, he done all kinds of things. And when he showed up in heaven, when he died in 1979, God says, Howard, you don't get a single reward. What? He said, no. Everything you did on earth, you did for you. You didn't do nothing for me. Howard Pittman said, Lord, please. I did what I was taught in the independent seminaries. He said, you didn't even teach my word like I wrote it. You you taught it like they taught it to you. And it's not the way I wrote it. He said, Lord, give me another chance. Let me go back. I don't want to spend eternity in heaven without a single reward. Please, Lord, let me go back. I'll teach it the way you wrote it. In 1979, the Lord said, okay. I'm sending you back. I've talked to Howard Pittman myself a few times. I know him personally. He came back. He's still alive today. But let me tell you, he'll tell you today, I've changed my mind about the way the Word, I preach the Word now just exactly like it's written. People don't want to hear it. He said, that's too tough. That's tough. But I teach it like it's written. But that man died in 1979 and went to heaven and stood outside of the gate of heaven. And the Lord He said, that voice came down over that wall and said, Howard, you didn't do nothing for me. You done it all for you. How would you like to be met in heaven like that? No, no, not me. I don't, Lord, let me do everything I do for you. I don't want to do nothing. I ain't here to please nobody but you. That's all. Only you. I want to walk. And then also the Lord said, this is how others will know you are my disciples. In John thirteen thirty five. John thirteen thirty five, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another.
if you love people, you're good to people. You treat them with respect and honor. You love your wife. I mean, the Lord said in His Word, Husbands, love your wives. Like Christ loved the church. Oh, not too in-depth. He says, only be willing to die for her. You know, there's not a lot of men today that's willing to pay that price for the woman that they live with. Some of them are, but some of them are not. And if you're one of those men, I doubt seriously if you're ever going to get a prayer answered. Because you know what he says if you don't love your wife? When he says your prayers will be hindered, you know what that means? They won't be answered. You see why the devil gets in between a man and a woman? You see why he causes all these problems? And every time you yield to him instead of the Word of God. Now, if you're not in the Word of God regularly, you'll be a pushover for the devil. You'll be a pushover. He'll defeat you and you will never learn what this kind of love is. This love is demanding. I got tickled at somebody the other day. They see people come to the ministry center. They see things happen all around me every day. I had a lady tell me the other day. I mean, some people come out there and they're really nice, and some people are really, really mean. They say some awful things to us. Some of them do. I've seen people that just, I mean, well, I wouldn't even begin to tell you what some of them have told me. But this lady told me, she said, you know, you never cease to amaze me of what you take. Why do I take what I take? Because I don't want to step out of God's love. I step out too often anyway. You know that? But I don't want to step out of his love. I'm still a human being. Like Cheryl said, she used to sit out there and say, one day she said, I wonder what it would be like to be married to a preacher, a perfect man. <laughs> and then God brought her to my house and she found out I ain't perfect. I got flaws like everybody else. Hopefully not as many as some, but I do have flaws. But I'm working on those, aren't I, honey? I'm working on those. I'm trying to get to the God kind of love. But is it taking effort? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Because the flesh and the devil don't want you to walk in the God kind of love. The flesh wants its way. And if it's not pleased, it can be a nasty beast, can't it? Yeah, it can. That's why it gets out of love. But this is how they will know. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if. Isn't it amazing how many times the word if is used in the Bible? If you have love one for another. How should we treat each other as Christians? With love. With love. Is it easy? It gets easier as you go along. I was there in my office one day years ago, and a guy walked in my office. He said, Thurman, I believe. Somebody just walked in and read me the riot act, and I mean, really got nasty with me, and I just sat there. And after he walked out, the other guy was still standing. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, bless that man. And 
That man said, Thurman, I ain't never seen nobody like you. He said, if I sat behind that desk with your authority, I'd have jumped up and knocked him out. I said, but then you would have never got another prayer answered either. <laughs> I said, you'd never got another prayer answered. He said, I literally believe if somebody was to come over that desk and punch you out and knock you down and blood's running out of your mouth, you would get up and say, brother, let's find out what the problem is. You wouldn't even retaliate. I said, I ain't never hit a man in my life. Never. Not one time. And I said, I won't never hit a man. So if I don't hit a man, I sure ain't going to hit a woman. You know that? God told me to treat you ladies with love and respect and dignity. Wow. A man... I've only seen one kind of man I would get violent with and beat him. And that's if I walked up on a scene where a man was beating a woman. If I walked up on that, I don't think I could contain myself. If a man was beating a woman, I, don't, I wouldn't even have to know the situation. I'd have to beat him or me and him would have to go to Fist City. You know, because God says the women are gentle, they're light, they're little, they're frail. He didn't make them to be beat on by a man. And I've never been mad enough to fight or hit a man. But if I walked upon a man, he's beating a woman. I'm, I just feel my fire would be lit and I'd be on him like a duck on a June buck. You see where I'm coming from? Because God... Says you're to love. You're to love. If God's love is so important, then we need to know what it is and how to love. This God kind of love never fails. We find it defined in the next few verses in 1 Corinthians 13. This is what it takes to walk into God kind of love. He didn't leave it to your imagination. Verse 4, love, the God kind of love. Not just love, but agape love. It suffers long. You don't fly off the handle in two seconds and go crazy when somebody don't do something you don't like. The God kind of love, it suffers long and is kind Meditate on it. Somebody said, well, you preached on that before. Okay, when everybody in here starts doing that, I'll stop preaching on it. Well, you know what Romans 10, 17 says? It says faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. You know, us guys, especially us guys, we have to be told a whole lot more time than you girls. Praise God for you women, and especially for you mothers that have walked in love and have been the loving, kind mothers. In fact, this morning, I will have to tell you that when I went to the door and opened the door, there was a box of flowers. And I picked up the box and went in and opened the card. And it says, to the world's best mom from Christy. Oh, yeah, to the best mother in the whole world, Christy. <laughs> That's Cheryl's daughter. So I left them laying on the sink in the bathroom where she couldn't miss it. 
And so I knew she was going to sleep another hour or two. So I went over to the minister center, done some things. When I came back over, she was getting ready. Now, ladies, you ought to know how those little cards from your children affect you. When I walked in, she's got this big vase of beautiful flowers there. And I walked in to give her a kiss. And she says, and I kissed her. And she says, how does it feel to kiss the world's best mom? I said, it's awesome. (laughs) Well, now see, there's a little girl in the world that thinks her mother was the world's best mom. Now, let me tell you. Every one of us, you should be that kind of mother. And if you're walking the God kind of love, one day it'll come back to you and your children will say, you are the world's best mom. And just think Father's Day. You know, it's the same day. Do you know, I was so humbled in Lakeland Baptist Church where there was hundreds of people. I was a deacon there. And Brother Dr. Ben Smith, he started Father of the Year in that church. We had Mother of the Year for a long time, but we never had Father of the Year. One year he said, we're going to have Father of the Year this year. And the way I'm going to determine who is Father of the Year, I want all of you children to write me a note why your daddy should be the Father of the Year in this church. And he got a lot of letters. And that Sunday, I was deacon of the week, and so I was sitting on the platform with him to make all the announcements because a different deacon did this every Sunday. I was sitting there, and he got up and he said, I have these letters. I got a whole bunch of letters from a lot of children. But he said, these two children, it's obvious these two children really love their daddy. And he read the letters. And I read about the little girl. said, this one's a little girl. Read about how her daddy comes home and how I know he's tired sometimes after a long day, but daddy plays dolls with me. You know, he goes outside and runs with me. Anything I ask daddy to do, he lays down with me. He reads the Bible with me. He is the world's best daddy. And then the little boy had something similar to say. And by this time, tears are my eyes. I thought, man, what a daddy. And then Dr. Ben Smith then said, that daddy is Thurman Scrivener. Wow. I stood up and I thought, oh, God, you talk about humbling you. I was father of the year the first time it ever happened, and because of my son and daughter. And that didn't come easy. I mean, I can think of the afternoons when I'd come in after a hard day's work. Tim say, Dad, let's play football. And I wanted to say, oh, son, I'm so good. I said, okay, throw me that ball. And he'd throw me that ball, and we'd play a little while. We'd run up and down and have a good time and all kinds of stuff. And then Amanda come and say, Daddy, will you come in and play dolls with me for a little while? I said, okay, okay. You know, so I go in and play. Hey, it paid good dividends. And now I look back and think, would I change anything? Yeah. I'd walk in a deeper life because I don't have that little girl no more. Had her 24 years and I lost her. Don't come to the end of your life and say, Oh God, if I'd have known I was only going to have them such a short period of time, I'd have loved them. Because you don't know, you may not have them tomorrow. At least I could look back and say, I loved her 
And she knew I loved her. That Thursday night, the last night I ever touched her, when she was alive, standing at the sink washing dishes, walked up, put my hands on her hips. She's 24 years old, a beautiful woman. She turned her head around. I kissed her on the cheek. I said, how you doing, honey? She said, I'm great, Dad. I love you. No idea. No idea. That was the last words I'd ever speak to that girl. You don't know. That's why God says, walk in my love. You don't know how long you're going to have anybody. But I guarantee one thing, you ain't going to have them forever. They're all going to die on this earth. Remember that. I look back and think, God, I could have been a better husband. I could have been a better daddy. But at least I loved them with all the love that I thought I had. But I could have loved them more. At least I didn't have to stand over a casket or two caskets like another man I know one time screaming when his wife had been killed in a car wreck. And he said, oh, God, if I had known I was going to lose her at this age, I'd have been better to her. I remember standing by that casket and listening to that man say that that day. That was a long time ago. I was a young man when that happened. I'll never forget it. I thought, Lord, don't ever let me come to that day. Help me to walk in a God kind of love. Because I don't know. You know, that little girl was only 22 years old. That I stood beside her casket and her husband said that. I knew that girl very well. She was my sister. I stood there and saw that little girl, 22 years old, had been killed in a car wreck by a bunch of drunks. And her husband he didn't know how to walk in love. He still don't know how to walk in love. He was not raised in a home of love. He's never spent much time in the church at all. He don't know nothing about the Word of God. He don't know what love is. But only men that dwell in the Word can know God. And only those kind of men can walk in God kind of love. If you ain't spending time with God, you don't know Him. You can't know Him. You can't know His love. You can't experience it. But you can definitely experience the devil. Get in the Word. I cannot overemphasize the importance. I've lived it. I've seen it happen. When something happens between you and your mate, <laughs> it's just little things. And the little things don't count for nothing. And everything's little. Everything. Don't let anything be big. Just walk in love. If your mate don't do something you don't like, you may not understand their heart. Yeah, I know you don't understand their heart. You don't even understand your own heart. Well, the Word says you don't. 
So that's why God says love covers a multitude of sins. When you walk in love. When somebody does something you don't like. Just love. Look what he says. Not only does... Not only is the God kind of love, does it suffer long in its kind, but it says it does not envy. It does not vaunt itself up or be boastful. I'm going to have it my way. Oh, that's boastful. Love don't do that. It is not puffed up. Love does not behave itself unseemly. It really takes some walking with God to get to where you can overcome all these things because all these things are the way the flesh does. Love does not seek its own way. It'll yield to your mate. Your mate wants something? Okay. No problem. It's not easily provoked. And love thinks no evil whatsoever. No evil. None. Never. Never thinks evil about anybody or anything. If you walk into God, count. It's the Word of God I'm reading out of now. These are not my words. This is the Word of God. Like I say, you want to know why I preach on this pretty often? Because nobody ever does what it says. Don't you think it's time we start obeying the Word? I think it is. Do you know if we would become a church? that obeys the Word of God and does what this Word says, we walk in the God kind of love, when we stand and pray in unison, you know what we could get? We could change the world. We could bring down kingdoms. Just a little group like this right here. If all of us would walk in this God kind of love, the King would hear our prayers. He would do what we ask Him for. I mean, I think about just a little bit of the love I've walked in. Just a little bit. Nowhere close to perfection like I want to be. But just a little bit of the God kind of love I've walked in. The answers to prayer I've seen God do. It's astounding to me. Just think if I could master love. Wow, Paul, what could we get if we could master this? Woo! Just think, how would you like to walk down to... Cook's Medical Center or Dallas Medical Center with all those poor little children are, and walk in there and just start walking through those poor little destroyed bodies and walk through and just walk up and say, Father, in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden see the legs grow out and the arms grow out or the tongue come back in or ears come back or a head that's all contorted out go back into normal and the little child get up and walk up. How would you like to be able to do something like that? I would love that, wouldn't you? That is available. Why is nobody doing that? Because there ain't none of us can meet this criteria that's laid down in this book. Not one of us. I'm trying. And where where I have walked has been such a privilege. I've seen so many answers to prayer and so many miracles. But I know I've only touched the surface of what's available if I can master just these things we're talking about today. If we can master them. But it'll take some effort, I guarantee. Then he says there, love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth in verse 8, 6. 
And then verse 7 says, love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Verse 8, love never fails. Do you know anything that never fails? I only know one. Everything else fails. But love never fails. You know, I can think of a few times in my life in the business world when something would happen and somebody would be so mad at me or my company and they come in my office screaming. And I said, brother, sit down. Let's talk. And they may be screaming and don't want to, but I just love them. Quiet and jump. If I could master this with everybody, where I could stay calm and cool and collected and walk in love. You know how many of my problems I could master? All of them. That's exactly right. All of them. A soft answer. Turneth away wrath, the Word of God says. You know how easy it is to get out of love when somebody comes in screaming at you? Yeah, real easy, far too easy. It's not an easy walk. He says, but where there is prophecies, they shall fall, fail. Where there is tongues, they shall cease. Where there's knowledge, it shall vanish away. A while ago, I asked Cheryl for her Amplified Bible. And she gave it to me. And I turned to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and I read verses 4 through 8. It is so much clearer in the Amplified. I would like to say that anybody... Anybody that's having a problem with anything, I don't care if it's your mate, your children, your employer, your neighbor down the street, or anything else, if you'll read those scriptures out of the Amplified in the morning, get up in the morning, take a good dose of medicine, the Word of God. When you first wake up in the morning, if you'll read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 8 in the Amplified, And then you'll wait about 10 o'clock when it's time for that second cup of coffee. You sit down and read it again. And then you go sit down at lunch at 12 or 1 and you read it again. And then at 3 when you get ready for that evening tea break or coke break, read it again. And then at 6 o'clock and even when you sit down there, you read it again. If you'll take these few verses like medicine that many times a day, if it don't change your life, you're impossible. If you're a Christian. If it don't impact you, and if you, can, if you do not change, you are hard as a rock. And there ain't nothing can penetrate you if those verses, the first eight verses in 1 Corinthians, doesn't impact your life. If you'll just take it, if you'll just read it twice a day, it'll change your life forever. It'll change the way you treat your spouse. It'll change the way you treat your children. It'll change the way you treat your neighbor. It'll change the way you treat your employer and everybody around you. If you're a Christian, 
If you are a Christian, if you're not a Christian, it ain't going to have any impact on you. I remember one night when that precious little daughter that I lost, some of the trials and tests we were going through, I had to walk in love one night. One night she had a friend over, and Tim had a friend over. And they were 10, 12, whatever, wanting to be their own man and woman. You know how that is, right? I said, kids, it's time to read the Bible. Oh, Daddy, I don't want to read the Bible now. i got a friend over. I said, no, honey, we read the Bible every night. Friends or no friends, we read the Word of God. But, Daddy, I don't want to do it tonight. You always read too long. I said, okay. I said, here, honey. Tonight, you read it. Okay. Where do you want me to read? I said, just pick a place. Okay. So she opens the Bible like this. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is the will of God. She said, Daddy, you did that to me. Now, who could have done that to her? Ain't nobody but God could have done that. Ain't nobody. When you walk in love and you let God be the head of your house, He will touch your children. I mean, Amanda jumped up. Daddy, you did this to me. And all I could say is, Lord, thank you for showing up at our home tonight. I said, Daddy, you want to read? Or you want to she said, Daddy, you could read. I said, okay. <laughs> I mean, if I ever see God show up in my house, you know, you know what the chances of your little daughter under those kind of conditions open that Bible and her eyes fall on that verse. You know, Deborah, what the chances of that? That's one in a trillion, isn't it? But with God, what the chances? One of one. Isn't it amazing what God will do? Isn't He wonderful? Now He loves us, and He knows all the trials and tribulations you're going through. Now, see, I could have got out of sorts with her that night, stepped out of love, and then God couldn't have done nothing in my home. Because God, He don't do anything except where love is. Where love is, He shows up. When love's not there, He's not there. That's why this is the most important thing there is in the Word of God, is the God kind of love. That's why he says, it's the most important thing there is. There is nothing more important than love. Now think about what we said. If you want your prayers answered, you've got to walk in love. I mean, is anybody hear what I said today? Can anybody say yes or no? Yes. Okay. If you want to, and how many people want their prayers answered? Okay, that's all of us. So what do you got to do to make it work? you got to walk in love. Maybe God will understand if I get out of sorts with my spouse. And maybe we can have a knockdown drag out and he'll still answer my prayer. No, no, you're shaking your head. No, you don't believe that, do you? No. But if we walk into God kind of love. See, the king says in his word, If my words remain in you, and if you remain in me, then you can ask me. Anything. And I like that, don't you? I like that. So, if we'll walk in this God kind of love. And you've got to teach your children to do that. 
I mean, you know, this morning, Dave and I was there at the house, and his little son now, he's a little, he's a little less than a year old yet. He's almost walking, you know, and he's running or having a good time. And also, Dave said, he's learning he has a pair of lungs, and he likes to talk. You know, you can't tell what he's saying yet, but he's screaming and hollering, you know. He's noisy, you know. And, you know, if you want to talk, guess what? See, he don't care if you're talking. He don't care, you know. He don't know. He don't know what love is yet. He don't know what discipline is yet. He don't know what nothing is yet. So he's going to do what he wants to do because he's a fleshly critter at this point, just like all the rest of us was. So if everything ain't going just right for him, he's hollering. Y'all all know where I'm coming from, right? But the little guy's hollering. You know, what are you going to do? Jump up and beat him? No, you're going to love him. You're going to love him. Because this is just a phase they go through. He's, he's a little tiny child. He don't know. You've got to love him. So, thank goodness for those that love. And when you love and you're good to your kids, then you grow up and you get to be the world's best mom. Or the world's best dad. And did you know, when your children make those little notes, in fact, a couple of years ago on Father's Day, Tim left me, wrote, he, he didn't get me a Father's Day card like he usually does. Usually Tim just goes, get me a Father's Day card and whatever it says, he just signs Tim, that's all. But I don't know what touched his heart this year. It was a couple of years ago. But he wrote, he got a blank one, just had a deal on the front, and then it was blank in the inside. He wrote a whole page. Told me, he said, Dad, the older I get, the more I know how much you really love me. You know, all the things you did that you sacrificed so I could have what I have. Dad, I want to tell you how much I love you. You know, because, you know, he, don't, he didn't know, you know. You know, he just didn't, he hadn't had no clue. By the time he, another five or ten years with his growing up, he'll know. And I think that's what got him started, you know. He's beginning to see this. He's beginning to see. Because he's got three now to take care of with Caitlin and his two. He's learning what it is to raise children. And it's a trying thing, raising children. Now, you can make raising children hell, or you can make raising children heaven. I made it heaven. I never went through what some people go through with their children. I love my kids. I realized they were children. I loved them. I did keep them straight in line. And I did it in love, and my children loved me, and we had a great, blessed life. And to think that I sat there and listened to Dr. Ben Smith read them two letters and cried myself thinking, boy, I don't know who them two kids are, but they must really love their daddy. And then when I found out it was me, I, I, just, I, was, I fell apart. I couldn't even make the announcements. You know, here I'm standing before three or four hundred people and crying and can't talk, can't, can't make the announcements. But a lady come to Christ that day, and she come up and she said, if a grown man, a deacon in this church, can have that kind of love, she said, I want to be a member of this church. I thought, wow, you have no idea what God's doing. You know that? So, this love is not easy to walk in. It will put you to the test. But if it wasn't possible for you and me to walk there, God would not have told us to walk there. He didn't say it would be easy, but he said you can do it. 
I've given you my spirit and my power to walk in. And if you'll do what I tell you to do instead of what the devil tells you to do, he said, you can walk in this kind of love. And if you will do it, then he said, you can come and ask me, Daddy, for anything you want. And I will do it for you. You like that? Yes, I like that. Praise the King. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for this beautiful day. I want to praise you, Lord, for this beautiful day. You're a mighty God. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. And you're the God of gods. And nothing is impossible with you. Lord, I ask you to help us. I ask you, Father, to bless us this week and give us that Holy Spirit in such a powerful way so that any time we start to step out of the God kind of love, you will check our spirits. You'll check our flesh. That we'll walk in a love that will be like your love. That we'll love each other. We'll love our wives, our husbands, our children, our companions, our workers, our employers. We'll be good to everybody and we'll walk in your love. Father, I thank you for this. And I praise you for your word, which convicts every one of us of sins that we're not meeting your requirements. I thank you and praise you, Father. And may you bless us as we go forth this week. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I don't know. Did Melanie leave? Okay, she had to leave. Okay. I guess we won't sing a song then if she had to leave. So, huh? Oh, sure, sure. Okay. Yes, I, well, before we close, I know we got some, we, I never thought to ask that. Uh, come up here, Janet. You got a testimony you want to give? And uh, if we got any others, we'll take them too right here before we close. Go ahead. Well, just a testimony about how the Word of God really is living and powerful and, and sharper than a two-edged sword. We had been, you know, I've got Leanne and Audrey, her sister's not with us today, but but Audrey has been through a lot this year, and she's working through a lot of anger issues over the things that, that have taken place. And, and um, we have been having a, lot, a real problem with almost every day she would come home with with behavior reports from from the teacher and um, we started about six weeks ago reading first second and third john every night at bedtime and it almost i mean with just in a few days in the last six weeks she's probably only come home with one behavior report in six weeks where it had been every day and you know those are the the ones that talk about how important it is to walk in love and and uh, so it's it's been a wonderful thing to to read those to them and every night at that time. Word, yeah. Do you have something to say? Mm-hmm. I have a testimony, and it's about um, my teacher, Miss Foster. Well, her been very nice, but sometimes I was not. I was looking like an angry teacher, and I was um, that's it. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Anything else? Okay. Anybody else got a, a, Cheryl's got one here. So praise the Lord. My lovely honey bunny. 
I had a phone call yesterday. A young man called to tell me that um, he got a clean bill of health from his doctor from epileptic seizures. And I said, well, because he wanted to do something else after that. And so I said, well, did my husband pray for you? And we were out at, uh, I was singing at Little Pete's and my, my daughter's restaurant. And Thurman was with me that night. And Andrew had walked over and, and he would told me he'd been sick. And I said, well, let my husband pray for you. He had epileptic seizures anyway. He says, you know, I haven't had any seizures since your husband prayed. You're right. Amen. I said, praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. He answers prayers. That's why we walk, that's why we walk in love, right? I mean, I love to see. I, there was another, another man too, by the way, that Cheryl saw the out there the other night. She didn't think about this. This man loves, he's a, a kind of a world renowned sports guy. And he loves to walk and, and do sports, but he had a bad rotor cuff or something in his arm and got to where he couldn't use it. And so one night I was out there, and he was out there eating there, and I found out when I was talking to him that he had this problem. So I told him, I said, can I pray for you? And he said, sure. And so I went up and laid hands on him and prayed for that man. And the other night when Ty and I was out there having dinner again, he came up and says, no problem with my arm. I can do anything. It's better than it was ever brand new. Now, when you and me walk into God kind of love, what did the king say we could come asking for? Even for people that are not walking in faith. You can pray the prayer of faith for people and God will do great and awesome things for you. See, that's why it's so important that you and me walk in love. I mean, the Word of God is quick and powerful, isn't it, Janet? It changes everybody. Anybody else got a testimony before we close? Uh, Deborah? Praise the King. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> well, last Tuesday night, Cheryl and Ty taught, uh, prayed for me with a situation I've been going through, and we had another victory. Amen. I mean, the next day it was resolved, and then, uh, you know, those God-appointed uh, appointments that you go to unknowing that you're going to be going to an appointment, and I came across a wonderful spirit-filled lady that with, after about talking for five or ten minutes, we started praying for each other. And then she related to me that God had been working through her for the last two or three years, and he had given her a book that she had written through him, through her. And uh, originally when he approached her to write a book, she said, Lord, I don't know what to say. And he said, don't worry, I'll be telling you what to say. Amen. And, I mean, we had tremendous uh, fellowship just right then and there, and we were both praying for each other, and it was just amazing. And when I was leaving, she said, well, your victory, pray for a quick close. She said, the Spirit just spoke to me, and he said, it'll be like a sword. It'll be very pointed, very sharp, very quick. It'll be the kind of thrust that separates bone from joint. But... Um, he said that uh, it was already a done deal and Amen. that uh, we'll just praise the Lord together and pray for a quick close. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Paul? I think I want to give a testimony. Uh, you know, everybody that don't know me, I drive a truck, Paul Vitato. I come here as often as I can. The last time I was here, I told Thurman them, I said, you know, I don't know. Y'all are going to Maryland this week. If God wheels i may be coming to maryland so monday morning after the sunday service over here two weeks ago i woke up monday morning 7:24. 24 rolled over out of bed they called from my work they said 
you're going to Lancaster, Pennsylvania for Thursday morning delivery. I go, oh, Lord, look where I'm going. I'm going to hear Brother Thurman them preach. <laughs> so I go, and the man comes and picks me up at the truck stop, carries me right to the church. And when we get to the church, now, everybody there, y'all think we're excited here? Now, them people up there, you don't know this, but they were all excited about Brother Thurman. And then there was an accident, and they didn't get there. Now, everybody started getting real nervous. The preacher started getting real nervous. So we praised and worshiped. I had peace. I had peace, the peace that passes all understanding like I've always got. Every day of my life. When you live for Jesus, you got the God kind of peace. I had it because I knew the Lord was going to move mountains to get Brother Thurman there. When he come in, there was the peace that fell over the church. And everybody in the whole church was moved. Moved by Thurman's messages like everybody in here. Everybody in here is spiritually hungry or you wouldn't be here on a Sunday afternoon like this. And God blesses those who, re- who He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Everybody in here is diligently seeking the Lord or you wouldn't be here on a Sunday afternoon. But Brother Thurman, to me, he is above the ordinary average just old preacher from Dallas, Texas. I think he's the supernatural. I do. He's, a, he's, a, he's, my, he's my man. He's my God man. And if we'll follow the Lord... Like Thurman teaches, love everybody. You can ask anything in faith, and God will give it to you. I know. I've got the favor of God. I can go anywhere I want to go. I can ask the Lord, let me go here, Brother Thurman. The Lord's already, hey, He's foreordained it. So walk in love, walk in faith, and continue to be blessed by Brother Thurman. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wow. Glory to God. Oh, me. I keep having those kind of compliments. I might, you know, be like Cheryl was this morning. How's it feel to kiss the world's best mom? <laughs> oh, Lord, keep me humble in the name of Jesus. Anybody else have a testimony? Is that it? Okay, praise the Lord. Oh, okay, yeah, Brietta's back there. We'll pray another prayer for her. We always need to pray for little Brietta. She's here today. Father, we want to, we, one more time, as Cheryl has, has an, uh, quickened my spirit. That we always need to pray one for another, but we know that little Brietta, as strong as she's getting, she still has many complications in life, and she's such a tiny little thing. So, Father, you did tell us that we could come and ask you for anything, and you would do it. So, Father, I'm asking you, by the power of your Spirit, to, to just stay working every day in little Brietta's life. Raise her up, Lord. Make everything in her body come into perfect conformity to the Word of God. So her little body will be perfect. There will not be any irregularities. And every part of her body will not only be what we consider normal, but they'll be supernaturally normal. Her brain, her ability to speak, to sing, her ability to do things will not be normal. She'll be able to run faster than the average child, walk faster, think better. Lord, supernaturally powerfully awesome as she grows. And Lord, we know that our answer is yes, because you told us as obedient children, come and ask for anything and you'll do it. So Lord, we want to thank you in advance for making little Brietta this magnificent, awesome little girl that'll just blow the socks off of everybody wherever she goes, whatever she does, they will want to know how come she's so awesome and she will have the answer. It's because she had been prayed for by so many men and women of God, and her life had been covered by a mom and dad that walked holy in obedience to your word and that walked in love with you and with each other. Thank you, Father, for blessing that girl as well as the entire Cronin family, Lord. They're such a blessing to us here 
how the James and the children come and sing and bring their instruments. I want to ask you to bless them abundantly this week, Father, as well as everybody in this church. I ask you to bless everybody, Father, and use all of us this week to bring glory and honor to your name as we walk in the God kind of life. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.